0: Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jesse Billing- Billington, and you written my name wrong there. You said you wrote this weeks in advance and you had all this time to check your spelling. Um, if you're
1: saying your own last name wrong, that's hardly on me.
0: <laughs> this is very true. Um, it, anyway, we'll get back down to hard tax. In this week's episode, we'll be reviewing all the Formula 2 action from Saudi Arabia. And I say we, joining me in this foray is none other than Mr. Timo Albus Daly. How
1: are you? i'm pretty darn good for a monday evening jesse billington how are you
0: not too bad um busy but it's been another sort of hectic press day for classic car weekly but yeah we're on top of things all things are going well and of course it is not just the two of us we are joined by friend of the show motorsport journalist la wilshaw how are you
2: i'm really good yeah it's great to see you and um thank you so much for the invitation
0: yeah, always happy to have you on to talk all things feeder series. And this week specifically, it's Formula 2, as that's what we've enjoyed from Saudi Arabia, from Jeddah on the core niche. And um, we'll jump right in with what the hell has happened. And of course, the sort of opening part of the weekend, we saw Victor Martins take pole position uh, and back to back pole positions for ART in Formula 2. Obviously, his teammate, Theo Bocher taking pole in Bahrain. Now Martins stepping up to the plate good signs early on from the young french driver do we think
2: uh yeah absolutely um I, he, he's f3 champion obviously so he's coming in with some talent and he certainly knows how to win races so why not you know why why shouldn't he come in and uh, and lay out his table like a lot of rookies have previously
1: very much taking the one of two approaches that we see from the the top end of drivers that come from F3 into F2, you either have your two season approach drivers or you have your, I'm coming in and we're just going to do this now. And he's very much in that category. So it's, it's not too surprising that he's, he's adopted that strategy for his own. And again, like LA said, why, why would we not want that?
0: It's a nice competitive sort of opening stints to his season and his sort of championship run. And, it's enough to start making Teo Porcher sort of get on his toes and really have to think a lot more about the way he's going to construct his battle this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the long run, certainly. But it's also good if you're ART as a team in the whole, because you've got two furiously competitive drivers that are able to extract a hell of a lot out of that car. On two very different circuits already, they've proven to be quite capable. Um Next up, we had, of course, the sprint race. Iwasa P1, Martins P2, and Daruvla P3. And Timo's notes next to this simply say magical sprint race. It was not half bad, was it?
1: It's got to be one of my favourite sprint races, nay, races in Formula 2 to date, I think. It was just all over the place i mean you could tell from the commentary as well brundle and jakes were absolutely having kittens all over the shop and rightly so i, th- I think i can't remember if it was brundle or jake saying one point but you've got five cars wide there you can't even the track's not even five cars wide how are they managing that and it was just you really couldn't call it and it was you just felt was he must have been so calm in there but you just think if that was any of us in there we'd be like oh christ what do we do there's so many people behind us and if i do one thing wrong on this street circuit of all the street circuits to be on you could be never mind off the podium you'd be down in p10 maybe p15 if you're not careful so it was it was some very nice stuff and i'm surprised that we didn't get any more um retirements or crashes but i'm very happy that we managed to avoid that as well because it just showed that they can really take it to the limit
0: Mm, Some very clean racing. And again, the pressure that mounts on Iwasa through that, you've got a circuit where if you make one mistake, you're losing possibly sort of four or five spaces at a time. It's easily done. And we did see that. It did happen. And again, it proved that he had a sort of stable enough head on him just to keep the pace, keep it on track, keep it pointing the right direction, which is harder said than done. and harder done than said, rather. And yeah, he was able to pull off a very decent sprint win. Again, really firm up his chances for a championship this year. Um, Maloney did, uh, to, again, this is, I'm reading Timo's notes here. Maloney did a dead or alive tribute by spinning himself right round, baby, right round. Again, this is yeah, very much Timo's notes. Um, off the back of a relatively competent opening round, this isn't going to have been the performance he wanted. Obviously, he really redeemed himself in the feature in Bahrain and then sort of dented things again coming through um, Saudi Arabia. So interesting there. What do you think, LA?
2: Um, Yeah, he's he's obviously going to be one of those drivers that is going to take a little while to find his feet. Um, I I kind of feel to be a little bit fair to the rookies this season. If you noticed in, in Bahrain, they started off absolutely frantically, and you could clearly see a massive divide between the F2 existing drivers and the the rookies that had come up from Formula Three in that very first round. You know, and I'd, I'd taken particular note of that. Um, and to be fair to the F3 rookies, they're they're very much used to highly competitive racing with a lot more cars on the circuit. Um, but there is quite a giant leap in to F2 from F3 you know they are, we all know that, that those that are that have been watching for a while that they're not the same cars there's a massive difference in cars and there's a massive difference in those carbon brakes so you know I do feel there's a big difference at the opening of this season to the F2 uh, F3 rookies and the F2 dr- existing drivers you can see that in the standings you can see that for the first time within a few years there isn't a rookie you know that the first one is in P9 and, and it's it's kush- Um, And and I think the previous season before, if memory serves me correctly, there's been rookies leading and, and in the top three and, you know, top four, top five. So the first eight drivers this season after two rounds are all established F2 drivers from last year
0: it's sort of it's taking this year's crop of f3 drivers moving up a bit of time just to get used to this new sort of chassis feel the new as again you said the brakes are one of the huge step ups as well as the fact the car is a lot more overpowered than it is gripped so it's a harder chassis to try and find the appropriate balance on and then throw in the fact that every time you want to get on the stoppers it's trying to turn itself back, back backwards into a corner it's it's a big learning gap to try and bridge and it's going to, I think it was very abundant with Ollie Berman and Arthur Leclerc in Bahrain. We saw how much they were overdriving the car and it wasn't proving to be a sort of conducive manner to try and get lap time out of the car. Certain drivers seem to be getting a handle on that a lot more. Martins is a name that's going to likely keep coming up. He seems to have very quickly gotten to grips with how to extract pace and lap time from the car in a way that doesn't seem to harm his tyres or put him at risk of chaos on the track, which is interesting. And if anything, completely the opposite to what we saw from Teo Porcher who demonstrated perfectly how not to overtake someone into turn one, taking out Behrman and himself from the race. And the best part is he wasn't even really trying to make a move on Behrman. He was passing his teammate Martins coming into turn one, and just simply oversped into the turn and was sort of blindsided by Behrman. And yeah, he took it all on the chin. He said he sort of openly apologised to him literally after they crashed as they stood on the off track. But is this a sign that potentially early on the pressure's is getting to poor chair? Or was this just an easy enough mistake anyone could have made?
1: I want to say it was an easy enough mistake anyone could make. But also it seems a bit like a rookie mistake, which obviously he isn't. And... I mean, I know LA, you like to be nice to everyone and I I applaud you for that, but I am not in that camp. So I'm going to just be mean. Um, But it just, yeah, it's kind of like, normally you have this kind of problem because you don't see a car in your mirrors, but this is a car in front of you. So it's not like it's, it was, a, it was a night race and it's dark colours and maybe you wouldn't have seen it or something. It's, it's a bright red car that uh, Behrman's driving. You know, it can't get any more obvious in front of you. So it's like, as much as you're focused on your teammate, you need to be aware of of other cars around you. And again, it wasn't like a five car wide situation where it was inevitable something going to happen. It was just him and Behrman there, as far as I can recall. Other people behind them, but nowhere near enough for it to, for it to do anything immediately. So it seemed a bit odd, but... Again, maybe like you say, it's a sign of the pressure getting to him. It would be curious if that was it, though, because he doesn't seem like someone who, after Bahrain, was someone who would allow the pressure to get to him. Essentially, he put on such a commanding performance there that you'd think, well, "What? What happened in the two weeks to to completely reverse your mindset there?" So a bit curious, and something that, as we'll get to in a minute, just the feature race it didn't really pan out for him any better there, and just kind of a very. 180 for him weekend wise and you're going to be looking at these other drivers as we always say consistency is key and this is just wildly inconsistent of the two rounds we've got so far i know it's very early we've got a long season but if you base it just off what we know so far it doesn't look good and like la was saying kushmine has the, been the surprise both in bahrain and saudi doing much better than i think any of us thought he would no offense um but he's if he can be there consistently, if Boson can be there consistently, then their mistakes aren't as consequential there, and they can just be. is already second to Boshong, which is something that pre-season would just be kind of okay. What have you been smoking? I mean, we all like Boshong, but what are you? What are you actually? What What do you know that we don't? So it just seems very bizarre. But hopefully, when we go to Australia, then he will have sorted out whatever it is, and at least even if he doesn't get a win or get a hand podium, it's not because of a rookie mistake like this. It's because it's just a very tight field and we just get some cracking racing rather than anything else.
0: LA, LA, I'll let you come in on this. I've spoken quite enough. (laughs)
2: um i i don't know really at this point it's still sort of early days and early doors and yeah yes i am a a nice advocate for it all i don't don't like to be sensational about everything and (laughs) leave that to you timo um you you know (laughs) but i mean i it was just it was just a silly silly mistake you know this is a circuit that is very very tricky and you you don't have to be um even an F1 world champion, to, to smash every single circuit. You know, we've seen world champions before, even, even back to the days of, of Jack Villeneuve, who could not get to grips with Monaco with that street circuit. You know, and, and we've seen him almost, you know, win that championship in his rookie season and then win it in his second season. So I don't think that, it, that, that certain circuits might suit every single driver. Maybe this is one of those for Teo. I don't really know. I can't answer that. You know, obviously we know from... Uh, not last season, but the, the very end of the season before he had that, you know, almighty sort of crash with with Enzo when he couldn't get off the line and, and Enzo hit him from behind. So um, he actually doesn't, he, he's he's sort of like him and Enzo are, are one race less, if you like, in for, as Formula Two goes for this circuit. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to give him every opportunity because I still see a, an absolute diamond in there. Um, and although, of course, he's he's fighting for that that ART with Martins, um, he's they're still in different uh, academies. You know, uh, obviously, he's in the the Salber Academy, and, and that's not a direct threat from Victor, who's in the Alpine Academy. So, um, you know, come on, Teo, we all believe. Well, I believe <laughs> you. So, you know, we know you can do it. And um, he's, the hardest, he's the hardest on himself. You know, he doesn't need me sitting here judging him and, and he doesn't even need words from the team and from the management. He knows he's talented. We know he's talented. And I, I think he just needs to just take a little breath. Um, enjoy Australia because Albert Park is completely different for, for even the F1 guys. So enjoy Albert Park. Take a breather in April. Back to Baku. And let's see where we go from there.
0: There's a perfect sort of, like you said, there's this nice gap coming through where he'll be able to sort of sit back, take stock of the first three rounds of the season. And I don't think they're going to have been three wasted rounds. Obviously, he had a fantastic performance in Bahrain with a very dominant win. So there's going to be a lot for him to look back on positively as well. as There's going to be things where he can build on constructively. So it's, it's still good for his season at this point in time. And again, we are two weekends in for them. That's only four races. It's not a lot of distance under their wheels. There's... Still plenty of time for him to not necessarily turn things around, but sort of get a firmer grasp on where he is. P2 in the Championship, one point behind your rival, is essentially, well, essentially your rival at this point in time, is no bad place to be in. But interestingly, there is just a sort of two-point spread across the entirety of the top three. It's tight already, but again, it's start of the season, so few points have been allocated that in reality, there's going to be tight gaps all around the place. We'll move on to the feature race where we saw a well two thirds of the podium were rather different uh, we had vesti p1 duan p2 and derubla again making up for a p3 so nice performance there from derubla which do we think this is going to be his big season in formula two
1: I think he's finally listening to this podcast because I've been very tough on him. And as we've proven many times before, Jesse, tough love on one week of podcast. The next week, the driver suddenly starts to do well. That's all I'm going to say on that.
0: You do have a weird track record of being able to chastise junior drivers into doing quite nicely.
1: It's for the greater good.
0: Yeah, very true. The greater good. LA?
2: Um, if <sighs> He, if he could get that car together, you know, he, he made a lot of mistakes last year with those tyres um, and he knows it. And, you know, the, the best drivers that we ever see are those that learn. So hopefully he's learned from last season, you know, and everything. I know he was a different team and it was a different car, um, but he's with a new team. And if the MP car performs like it did last season, then he's in a better car. Um, He'll hook up those, t- well, he is hooking up those tyres now. It's self-admitted. He spoke about the tyres himself. So I'm not being sort of judgmental and critical about him. You know, we all knew that that those tyres went off too quickly last season. He's managing those laps now. And we even noticed him by. Rain that he crept up and crept up in the background ever so slightly, and then the next minute he was there, bang, right on the back of the, of the leaders, and, and again we talk about um, you know the the, the Alex's, and, and they were really shocked to see him, you know, like, where's he come from, where's Deruvla come from And which is quite an amusing commentary um, but, you know, Deruvla yeah, ah, he's here to stay, he's here to make his mark, I'm not 100% sure he'll win the championship this year but I think he'll be an absolute contender Tender, um and i you know if anything he might come second to to dennis hauger
0: Mm -hmm. it's enough to really sort of certify himself for maybe formula one but if anything else certainly a different racing series likely something along the endurance lines or gt racing because there is a fantastic driver in there and again it's just this fact of trying to get a grip on what is ultimately a, a pretty hard to handle car you assume the f2 cars are going to be a bit soft around the edges and things like the f1 cars but because they lack that amount of downforce that amount of sort of chassis sophistication they are in reality quite old-fashioned beasts to try and manhandle and quite snappy and you're still talking a best part of sort of 600 700 horsepower through a car that's quite rudimentary so if you're sort of able to extract these good performances and equally find this very smooth, very organised way of driving the car that Daruvla seems to have clicked with the MP this year. That's the sort of thing that F1 teams are going to be looking at for tests and development, but also GT and endurance drivers where you've just got to hone that car over laps for hours on end. That's a perfect skill set to really show off and show you've got, especially at this level. So positive things for Daruvla very early on in the season. It'll be nice to follow his story as, as, the, as the year goes by. Doing with the
1: P2. Also worth, I was going to say, also worth noting that doing P2 after Bahrain kind of being nowhere, it's mm. nice that he's bounced back so quickly and in the future race as well, where the big points are out. And again, like we were saying, Australia next, he's going to want to do very well there. So hopefully, whatever he's figured out to get back in the swing of things stays now because I think pre season, everyone and their dog is kind of shouting for him to be the champion this year. And then Bahrain happened like, Oh no! What have we done? Have we have we have we cursed him? Oh dear! Mm. And now it's kind of it's come back a little bit. Um. So, hopefully that's that's a good thing. But I think the the thing there is Vesti because he's one of these drivers a bit like Deruvela. There's a great driver in there, and we've seen glimpses of it, especially in Formula Three. I go back to 2020, especially the final round at Mugello, where he, I think he had a mathematical chance of still getting the championship, but no one, including himself, probably thought it was going to happen, but he just thought, I could just have a bit of fun here and make it difficult for the other two, Are really fighting it out, which was Piastri and I can't remember the other driver at that point, Sergeant maybe, um, and was just having a great old time racing there properly on the edge, but we've never really saw that properly consistently since then. We've Like I say, we've only seen bits and pieces of it, so hopefully this is something where he's gone back to Prima now. He wasn't with them last year. Obviously, that didn't work out too well. Um, so went back to where this definitely works and P1, Mercedes would be happy with that.
2: I, again, yeah, you're right with Vesti. Um, he helped prema to, to win that F3 championship in 2020, um, along with his uh, teammates there. That was Piastri, and there was also somebody else in that top four. Vesti came fourth. Uh, was it was it either Tayo or Duan? Um, but so so Vesti is absolutely up there. He's absolutely capable of this. Um, obviously, he switched teams last season, but now he's back home at Premer, which was a nice comment. That he he made after the feature race over Team Radio of saying that he's home, he's back with family, you know, and 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 I love you. Now, now I don't love you, uh, you know, Timo and Jesse. Uh, that's that's what Vesti uh, said. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> accept that. <laughs> so so it, it's for me. He's now. I think that. We, well, we all know this. This isn't just me and my thoughts. We all know that psychology plays a huge part in in any any elite athlete's life Um, and when it comes to feeling comfortable and feeling with your people and feeling at home then of course you're going to perform better Uh, so Frederick's now at home that's where he feels he should be and and look at the result that, that we got from him and that performance but not just him and his performance, the Car also looks like it's making a little bit of a comeback as well you know, don't forget two seasons ago, they won every single uh, you know, series, championship that they were in at that point and they wiped the floor with everybody so that Car could well be be challenging again for that team's championship too, with Vesti at the helm, you know, because even though Ollie a little bit has has, we've discussed that already his performance and him getting to grips with with the car, uh, he's still not doing too badly. You know, he's still doing all right. So maybe Pramer's back.
0: It would be nice to see Pramer sort of making this comeback. And like you said, the idea of sort of having family, having a nicely united team, that sort of Vesti is a large part of that with them all coming together it's going to be a lot more positive for everyone working in that environment and it's going to hopefully drive them forwards and again the whole idea of having a comfortable team to work at is something that spills out beyond especially when you're a formative driver in f3 f2 we saw it famously with danny rick and mclaren last year over the past two seasons having a team where you feel at home where you're comfortable where you enjoy working with the team that you're working with seems to make a huge difference and i think especially when you're working your way up the ranks when you're getting used to the sort of patter of a formula weekend, having a team and that's supportive and, like Festy said, a family to them, that's a key element. And it's it's going to be good to see him sort of develop and build on that and have a very solid and sort of, I would say caring doesn't seem like the right word, but there's a sort of atmosphere that seems to be generating that environment for him to sort of build off of. Um, the next two points on the list, ones we've already relatively touched on, poor Cher coming home with nul point uh, to add insult to injury. So a very poor weekend for him in that regard. But again, lots to reminisce on and sort of build on positively. Uh, even Nissani overtook him at one point, which was arguably not the sort of thing you really want to be dealing with, especially if you... So just... that,
1: that was my add insult to injury rather than the nul point. <laughs> yeah, the nil point plus that.
0: Yeah, and then obviously you've got uh, Maloney and inspired by Maloney Martins did his own dead or alive tribute. So again, just proving that despite the fact that you can look exceptionally competent in those cars, they can still bite. And again, Saudi, with the high curbs and the fast speeds through apexes, it's going to be a circuit that does eventually bite. And I think with the, the natural imbalance of an F2 car, it's going to happen. Um, Boschong P19, after leaving the championship following the sprint race, poor performance or just simply bad luck of the draw?
1: A bit of both, to be honest. A bit of bad luck and a bit of bad performance because he's been on it for three races more or less. I mean, I, I can't remember where he finished the sprint race, but he did all right, I think. But you can say, I didn't want it to be a flash in the pan thing Bahrain. I wanted that to be something he can continue for the whole season because, I mean, he's been there for about 67 years at this point. It would be nice to see him finally build a proper championship together. And even if he didn't get it really show that he's got what it takes because it's just what he deserves after having to fight so hard to keep being there. So consistently, um, so seeing P19, it was just a bit, mm, I wasn't sure if that was strategy, if that was bad luck or what was going on. There was nothing immediately obvious as to why that was happening. We didn't see any spins or mistakes or anything or lockups. It was just Boshong's P19. What the hell happened there?
2: yeah maybe you know i mean he was very fortunate um the weekend before in bahrain it was you know i described it as sort of like the red sea opening for moses when when the traffic sort of all got together and and the track opened up before him and he was able to make quite a lot of places up and i didn't quite see what what went on at the start of that race you know he started in p9 qualified in 39 at p9 and then finished in P19, which is 10 places dropped. And that's quite a huge drop considering he's leading the championship. So, you know, it would be interesting to to maybe either go back over that myself this week and have a quick look if I, if I can spot anything that happened, or maybe some news might come out from the team that, that there was some kind of issue. Um, but even in qualifying, uh, his his rookie teammate, Kushminey, who we've already mentioned, out-qualified him, you know, in qualifying as well. So I don't know maybe he wasn't again maybe it was a circuit maybe he's not quite as comfortable um who knows we might find out the reason for the next race
0: yeah we'll see how it sort of pans out for Boshong. but again he's not got too bad a footing to start the season off and again he had a sort of troubled season last year I remember he had sort of back issues through some the mid part of it so again coming or neck issues rather so he's sort of come back into this with sort of I want to say the best season to have built off of but he seems to come back in sort of fighting fit form and again making the most of the sun when it shines which is good things to see so we'll move on to the drivers that really stood out for us over the weekend and Timo I'll go to you first
1: yeah, gone for someone we've not mentioned at all yet, which is Richard sure. who, again, surprised both of the Alex's in commentary and surprised pretty much everyone else as well for the reason why I, I chose him there. Not only just P20 to P5 in the feature race, which was a pretty decent performance coming off a, a shocking qualifying for a driver of his calibre, but then somehow also managed to get the fastest lap on lap 20. It, it didn't last, but it was impressive because he did it on 20-lap old medium tyres, of all things. And that just deserves a doth of the cap for me because it it was just, how the hell did you manage to do that? It seemed a bit kind of Lewis Hamilton-ish in terms of my tyres are dead, fastest lap, next lap. They're like, wait, what? (laughs) So I just, I loved that from him. And it was kind of one of these nice little subplots to the weekend that uh, didn't really get much coverage elsewhere. So I thought I might as well just give him a shout out.
0: LA, your driver that stood out for you across the weekend.
2: Yeah, I think I would have liked to have concurred, uh, you know, with, with Vashaw and, you know, bearing in mind the others were on super softs as well which was absolutely mind-blowing but because I'll say something different then, not for sure Um, and I I actually, can I say two really quickly, Um, I actually want to give a little shout out to Enzo Vitipaldi who started in 14th and finished in 7th Um, but a bigger shout out to someone I've just mentioned, Dennis Hauger, he qualified in 15th and finished in P5 You know, he made up 10 places obviously not as many places as for sure did um, but bearing in mind that that was such a mixed race a feature race and very mixed strategies throughout that race and he was absolutely storming through in the end dennis and i you know it's one of those races where you think oh if you just had five more laps you know or three more laps then perhaps he could have gained even more places and, and finished a little bit higher so yeah i clearly had my eye on on dennis over that feature race for sure for sure for sure for, for sure. sure for sure you beat me to
1: it there <laughs> ah.
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that makes my sort of driver that stood out a little more sort of obvious. Really, for me, it really had to be Vesti. He sort of came from nowhere in the feature race and sort of pleasant surprise. I think I sort of dipped out of the room for a minute to get a drink, came back in, and I was like, "Oh, hello, you're up there. That's nice." I think again, sort of a decent pit strategy sort of played into his favor. But you've got to be able to drive to those positions that make those pit strategies work for you. So it's not it's not all not his effort in that regard. So he's sort of been able to get himself there and get himself up and running, which is good to see and again it's nice that he's got a sort of positive building block to sort of we've got a bit of a gap until australia but he's got a sort of positive framework to build off of move forwards going into what could be a very unique formula two weekend in uh, melbourne so the next thing we've got is the uh driver and constructor championship top three timo do you want to read this one
1: yeah why not so despite his p19 finish in the feature race ralph bosch still clings on to the championship lead at the moment with 33 points one point behind him, despite also having troubles this weekend, table chair with 32 points, and then Ayumu Uwasa putting himself nicely in contention early doors with 31 points. So as we said earlier, yeah, there's only been two rounds, so they're obviously going to be close, but we probably weren't thinking this close either. So that's nice and juicy in classic Formula 2. Constructors wise, we've got Campos in the lead with fifty one points, with a much bigger lead of only two points this time, over ART who are forty nine points, and then Dams in the third at the moment with forty four. Which interesting because they've kind of they've got uh obviously Iwasa and Leclerc there, and Leclerc had a bit of a a quiet weekend in some regards. So it's nice to see them kind of just lurking in the background there, just keeping touch with the top two so far, and. Uh, who knows as the season progresses, especially with if Wase can keep up the pace and if Leclerc can get to grips a bit more with stuff, then who knows they could be a dark horse this season
0: could be very interesting to keep an eye on and that is pretty much what we've got time for on this week's episode join us again soon when we'll be previewing the Australian Formula One Grand Prix and of course there'll be some Formula Two action and we've got Formula Three as well down in Australia haven't we I believe we do we do so it's going to be some very early starts or late nights and um, late yeah,
1: nights I'm going to try to stay up the whole way and it's not going to be pleasant
0: you must hate your body um, so <laughs> make sure you've liked comment, subscribed and have got notifications turned on to not miss anything from the Unlock podcast, but in the meantime Timo, where can the people find you?
1: It's a very good question Jesse, I'm I'm very grateful for you asking um, On the Curbs Nitro RX podcast, which we just had a triple header season finale there, which is absolutely insane, including van driving which is just letting the crowd come in and drive their own vans around the track, which is just silly, but great fun um, and then also Paddock Passion Paddock Rarity and Is It Fast and oh yeah Instagram, because I'm all across that these days
0: excellent la where can you be filmed
2: oh you can find me uh, sort of tinkering my name in and then i'm under road to f1 which is my new platform um on all of the platforms i've even joined tiktok uh, which is a little bit scary because i i sort of feel a bit like a mum that's just gatecrash her teenager's party <laughs> uh, but uh, but but i'm all right we we're, you know, we're contending with it and we're dealing with it and and we're uh, we're trying to make a go of it this year
0: It's a tricky platform to get a grip on because it's such weird short-form content that sort of seems to do well, but... I wish you the best with it, and I'll drop you a follow, because I can't wait to see what you're starting to produce. And in the meantime, if you really want more of me, yeah, some people do, um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at Cars. and if you want more of my sort of work in the realm of cars in a more professional sense, you can pick up the latest issue of Classic Car Weekly, and you can find me talking all things classic cars in there, and a bit of classic motor racing when my boss allows me to. So, that's all we've got time for this week. Join us again for the Australian Grand Prix preview.